Hello, everybody, and welcome back to For the Girls. We are back, baby, after a crazy, silly season and what felt like such a long break. And we are back with a triple header. We have Spa this weekend, then the Dutch Grand Prix the following weekend, and Italy the weekend after. Literally, as we are recording this, the news just dropped that Daniel Ricardo and McLaren have mutually agreed to terminate his contract a year early, which means he will be leaving McLaren at the end of this season. They mentioned it was a several months long discussion, so I'm sure tons of moving pieces. There has been no announcement on who will join Lando at McLaren, but they said they will announce that in due course. And Danny said the same thing about an announcement for his future. Lando posted a nice tweet commemorating his time with Danny and McLaren, and we will talk about this in much more depth in our recap, but we just wanted to announce the breaking news here first. So speaking of which, Discord right now is popping off with all of this McLaren conversation. So if you saw on our Instagram, we have recently created a Discord for all of the fans and F1 community to chat about the podcast, about everything going on. So please check that out. It's in our link tree on our Instagram to join and come join the conversation. It's been super fun to get to know and meet everybody um, in that forum. As always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at For the Girls. And with that, I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And I'm Sarah. So we wanted to start with a quick recap of where we left off points-wise and some of the big news from Silly Season. So in terms of the Drivers' Championship, Max is running away with it with 258 points. Charles has 178 points. Then Checo is only five behind with 173. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a big little fun fact to watch out for this weekend. Then Russell has 158 and Sainz is in. P5 was 156, so those two were also super close. And then Hamilton is in P6 with 146 points. Then for Constructors, Red Bull's also running away with Constructors. (laughs) They have 431. Ferrari, they're almost 100 ahead of Ferrari, who have 334. But then Mercedes is close behind with 304, so that's also something to watch out for. And then Alpine and McLaren are still locked in a tight battle with Alpine at 99 and McLaren with 95. And maybe this fight will get some increased <laughs> oomph with all the recent bad blood between those teams. <laughs> it is so tight up top. I feel like, I mean, there's like one or two races separating the top five between points. Like that's pretty crazy. That's what good Formula One is about. I'm so excited. Um, but speaking of bad blood, let's recap what happened earlier this month when things went absolutely crazy with Vettel retiring and then Alonso blindsiding Alpine by announcing a move to Aston Martin. And then Alpine, in an odd turn of events, announced its young star and reserve driver, Oscar Piastri, as, a, as their driver for next year to replace Alonso. Um, but then Piastri announced that this was all against his will and he was actually not driving for Alpine. So we did get into this in a bit more of a deep dive on our special episode. So definitely check that out. Sadly, um, Silly Season got off to a roaring start, but there actually haven't been that too many updates on that front. We still don't officially know where Piastri is going, but it does seem Alpine is gearing up for some sort of legal action and is still insisting that Piastri is their driver. It is insane that it started off. Silly season started off at 110%. And then, <laughs> then it was silent. Every day we were like, okay, where's the announcement? Where's Piastri going? And then just nothing happened. And it's been weeks. 
Um, yeah, I that that really was sad. While McLaren and Alpine are trying to figure it out, Albon was announced at Williams for 2023. And they did a really funny marketing strategy where they explicitly made jokes about the whole Piastri situation. This was like the day after. And Albon basically tweeted how the deal was done with his consent, that the Williams press release <laughs> was accurate. So it definitely got picked up a lot. It was it was hilarious and definitely making light of the very um, reality TV-esque drama that was happening between Alpine and McLaren. In terms of some other drivers who haven't had a seat announced yet for next year, we still have Yuki, Latifi, Joe, and Mick who haven't been announced. So I think Yuki and Joe seem pretty safe. It's unclear who they would be replaced with. So maybe either just the teams are waiting to announce them or they're still negotiating duration or money. Out of those two, I would put Yuki maybe a bit more at risk because Joe has had a really strong rookie season. Mm -hmm. But, of course, we have also talked about Latifi, of course. Interesting that him being replaced hasn't been announced yet. Potential options for Williams include Logan Sargent or Nick DeVries. I think my hot take is that Logan Sargent is going to get the seat. He's an F2 driver, and he's inexperienced. But at this point, Alvin could be a pretty strong number one driver for the team and could have that experience where they could take a gamble on a little bit of a younger driver. Plus, Logan is doing really well enough too with Williams, and he would become the only American driver, which we've talked so much about McLaren wanting an American driver, and that's kind of been just something a lot of teams and the grid in general are after. And so if Williams got it, could bring them a lot of sponsorship money and attention, but maybe I'm 100% wrong and Latifi <laughs> is keeping his seat. Who knows? Could you imagine an American driver for next year with three U.S. races? I feel like that's going to be crazy. That will be like the craziest rookie season ever. Um, notably, as Sarah mentioned, Mick's future seems to be quite up in the air despite his improved form recently. Gunther basically said that he and Gene Haas will start discussing the situation once they get back from break. They're not following the silly season timeline. <laughs> Since Mick is part of the Ferrari Driver Academy and Haas is a Ferrari engine customer, it was thought that Ferrari had some say over this, but Gunther was basically like, nope, just me and Gene figuring it out together. But in a stir the pot moment, Haas announced that no other than Antonio Giovinazzi will be doing two FP1 outings in the fall. He lost his Alfa Romeo seat, just as a reminder, at the end of last year and has been in Formula E this year. He's also the Ferrari reserve driver. And all this seems a little bit sus. Maybe he is just being considered to replace Mick. Vettel would not be happy with that, but still so much speculation and we all just want answers. <laughs> I think we will get answers this weekend. Let's talk about the Belgian Grand Prix Spa. So the track that it's held at is really fun because it's one of the historic classic tracks that has been great racing. The drivers really love it, but its place on the calendar is a little bit in jeopardy a bit since it's in the countryside. It doesn't have that glam and star power that some of the newer races do, but the drivers have made it very clear that they'd be very upset if it got dropped and that history has to mean something in F1 as well. Um, people definitely have a lot of feelings about this. Tom Carey, a sports journalist for The Telegraph, he wrote in a column titled F1 Ditching Spa Would Be Cultural Vandalism of the Worst <laughs> Kind. Damn, Tom, I kind of agree with you. Max, Pierre, other drivers have said it's their favorite, favorite track. Max and Lando were kind of criticizing that if they dropped it for the money, it would be bad or it would be a shame. Yeah, we hope that it stays on the calendar. 
So in terms of some circuit history, the circuit's full name is Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps, but it's just referred to as Spa. It's in eastern Belgium in the countryside, pretty close to the German border. And the circuit's had a lot of modifications over the years. There's some really interesting history out this track. The original circuit was designed in the 1920s, and it was notoriously super dangerous. And so in 1969, the Belgian Grand Prix was actually boycotted by the F1 drivers because of the extreme danger here. There had been a lot of fatalities at the track in the 1960s, including five in the two years previous. So sad. So glad that they made a lot of modifications, but F1 didn't return to Spa until 1983 after the modern track was built. Yeah, and we'll talk about the most famous part of the circuit here is Urouge and the Radion combination. So after a tough hairpin at turn one, La Source, drivers race down a straight to the point where the track crosses the Urouge stream for the first time. Then they're launched into this super steep uphill into a sweeping left, right, left series of corners, and then finally a blind summit. It's a really cool part of the track to watch. I think drivers both love and hate it. But losing control through this section can often lead to a super heavy shunt where drivers lose the rear and then they hit laterally. This happened to Lando last year in qualifying in super wet conditions when he had a really serious crash. And then Antoine Hubert died in the F2 race here in 2019. A driver crashed at Radion, and that started a sequence of events where Hubert was unable to avoid hitting a car in front of him hit the barriers, got thrown back out onto the track, and then got T-boned at super high speed. So that was incredibly tragic, really sad to see. And this track is like pretty dangerous generally. I mean, there was a huge W Series crash last year as well where six drivers had to be medically evaluated. Two cars hit the tire barriers and were shot back into the path of oncoming cars who had to run wide coming up the hill. So A lot of drivers and principals called for changes to this section last year. It really seems like this needs to be a much wider uh, space so the cars can't bounce off barriers back into the path of oncoming cars, especially since weather and rain is so often a factor here. And there were actually some changes over the past year. We'll get to the impact of them here. So Uroge got shifted a little in an attempt to lower that speed going into Radion. And then the gravel traps are also being added to corners. And then some of the corners are being resurfaced. So hopefully that'll help to slow drivers down a bit. Um, And Pirelli did put out a warning to drivers since these gravel pieces are sharp that it could ruin the tires. So maybe it'll add a different sort of like level of strategy and component to, to the race and reduce some of that horrible danger that Tiggy was talking about earlier. In terms of the circuit itself, it's seven kilometers. It's the longest circuit on the calendar. So because of that, there's only 44 laps, which is so few. There's two DRS zones and the one and only Botas has the lap mm-hmm. record from 2018. For the last race, the last race was wild in a bad way. It holds the record for the shortest Grand Prix ever, and it's also the only race to not have any racing under full green flag conditions. And due to super wet weather, just a torrential downpour, the race ended up only being two laps all behind the safety car. Basically, it was a total disaster, and F1 got a lot of heat for it. They didn't give fans refunds, which is pretty ridiculous. King Lewis was very outspoken (laughs) about this and defended the fans. 
basically it was a torrential downpour, so the start got delayed, and then there was some formation laps before another red flag. Checo had crashed on some of the outlaps, so they had to red flag it. Then hours later, the race finally restarted, and there were just two laps behind the safety car before there was another red flag because conditions were just so bad. So the results were mostly just the starting order. Only half points were awarded since less than 75% of the original race distance was completed, but it was a super controversial call, and naturally, Michael Massey took the brunt of Rip. criticism. <laughs> Foreshadowing for the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty obvious that the conditions were so bad that there just couldn't be green flag racing, so the controversy wasn't really that they red flagged it. It was more that they tried to start it at all so that they could call it a quote-unquote race and award points instead of just trying to reschedule or figure something else out when it clearly just wasn't a race. But it's a little bit of a hot take, but I think as as always, the people who are put on the spot are in a pretty tough spot. If he hadn't started or at least attempted to any racing at all, I'm sure he would be sitting here saying, oh, well, he didn't even try. Like, you never know. So I think that that could be tough. Yeah, I don't think Michael Massey ever gets the benefit of the doubt, though. So All this mess did cause a bit of a change in the regulations for 2022, which now stipulate that a race has to involve a minimum of two laps of green flag running without a safety car or virtual safety car in order for any points to be awarded. So the results were Max, George with his first ever podium, Lewis, Danny, Seb, Gasly, Ocon, Charles, Latifi, and Signs. So basically George was the only one who came away with a good weekend here last year. <laughs> yeah, Latifi also snuck it in there. That's fun. Um, <laughs> so what kind of racing can we expect this weekend? We have super long straights and fast corners, which equals fun racing. Drivers love Pujon, the fast corner at t- turn 10. Huge elevation changes spice things up as well, as we mentioned with Urouge. Plus the fact that the lap is so long, um, is fun because drivers can make mistakes but have opportunities to make up lap time. So yeah. a bit of wild cards there. That being said, it's a tough power-dependent track. Both Red Bull drivers and nearly all Mercedes-powered cars, except for Lando's McLaren, have not yet taken their third and final power units of the season. So this might be the time for them. It's hard to figure out setup with the need for straight line speed plus uh, downforce for the more flowy section. So it'll be interesting to see what teams come with. And then finally, rainy weather. This is the norm for Spa, as we've seen a lot of rainy races in the past. And there was some stat somewhere that said it rained for 20 years in a row, in a row at one point, which is insane. So we'll see. Yeah, there, there is rainy weather forecasted for this weekend. So <laughs> might be a spicy start, restart to the season. I'm excited. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west 
And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. So the teams, let's talk about Ferrari first. I think we can all agree all eyes will be on, on whether or not the Ferrari strategy team got their lives together over break. The scrutiny could not be stronger for them this weekend. They really need to get it right. Um, I'm going to be harsh, but they better be showing they've learned from their mistakes. But Bonotto did make several comments over break about how Ferrari didn't need to change its approach. So that's not very reassuring if they're kind of just ignoring the problem. Interestingly, Charles was directly asked about this in an interview with the BBC and very diplomatically sort of said that behind the scenes, everyone at Ferrari knows they need to get things together. So maybe we will see a little bit of a change. Maybe they're just keeping it a little bit more under wraps. Like we mentioned before um, about bringing new power units or components, they are set to bring a new MGUK. That's part of the hybrid system of the car. They're getting it just they're getting it in just under the September 1 deadline that freezes updates for this component. So hopefully this will help reliability and a bunch of other things. We'll see good things from them. Red Bull, a fun fact, Max is Dutch as we know, but he was born in Belgium and has a Belgian mother. He was born about an hour away from this area and he views it as something of an additional home race. Definitely watch out for Orange Army people. Hopefully they chill it with the flares because it's just... <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> no one wants to be sitting slash driving through an orange haze plus it gets dangerous uh, i have a lot of thoughts on that two weekends in a Anyways. row for that probably with dutch grand prix coming next true totally Anyways, Red Bull definitely has a straight line speed advantage here. Spa is one of the fastest circuits on the calendar. It has a long full throttle section. That's very exciting. One thing I'm looking out for is Checo emphasized that anything can happen and he's not counting himself out of the title fight just yet. So that's spicy and it'll definitely get interesting if Checo passes Charles and gets to P2 in the driver's championship. A man can dream. Let's go Checo. Yes. <laughs> Mercedes, can they continue the streak? The gap to Ferrari in second place is only 30 points now, as we mentioned. This is the first time Lewis is returning from summer break with a with a winless season. So that's crazy. One thing to watch out for generally with Mercedes, whether starting the enforcement of the new porpoising bouncing metric will help them compared to Red Bull and Ferrari. That is the open question. We explained this in depth in the Hungry preview episode, but as a reminder, this race is the first time that the new oscillation metric and restrictions on the flexi floors supposedly used by Red Bull and Ferrari are actually being enforced. So in terms of the flexi floor rules, the goal is basically to stop teams, ahem, Red Bull and Ferrari, from implementing tricks that are technically within the letter of the rules, but circumvent the intention of the original regulations. I don't know if it'll make that much of a difference, but Red Bull and Ferrari have probably had to play around with their setup after bringing their floors into compliance. So it could make a difference at the margins and with the races so tight in the uh, championships, it could be interesting. But before this, the teams were able to use the metric to understand their own level of porpoising and weren't punished if they were over the limit. But from now on, there will be penalties. So we'll see how that plays out. I think Mercedes is going to come in strong here. I think so too. Alpine, I think things are going to be a little tense with Alonso after everything he pulled at the start of break. 
Um, maybe it'll just be initially. The, they are all professionals here after all. Otmar said that and insisted that everyone would be fine. They would be all be focused on trying to get P4 in, constructor, in constructors and just do the season as is. But he was being a little bit petty after the initial news broke. So I'm excited to see what the vibes are like. For Haas, Mick is also getting the upgrades that KMAC got for summer break. As we have talked about, Mick's definitely going to be feeling the pressure if they're just starting the discussion of his contract right now. And all eyes will be on whether or not the white Ferrari with the <laughs> upgrades on both cars can show its, show its potential. So definitely eyes on Mick this weekend. And McLaren also announced Rene Rost as its first driver for its new Formula E team. Ross has raced in Formula E before, and he has won DTM, the German racing series, several times. But this does take a spot away from the full SUV, boat, whatever large vessel you want to say, of the signed McLaren drivers who are just out there floating in the McLaren universe. So very interesting to see where everyone else is going to end up. So last few teams here, Alpha Tauri, the F2 driver Liam Lawson will take part in his first F1 season in Pierre Gasly's car in FP1, which is fun. It's unlikely, but his name has been thrown around as a potential replacement for Yuki if the team does decide to replace him. So it's probably pretty intentional that Lawson is going in Gasly's car so they can compare him directly with Yuki. We'll see how that goes. Williams, this is random, but Alex did an AMA on Reddit over break that is hilarious and is a must read. So Google it and check that out. In response to a question of who the Twitch quartet, which is George, Charles, Lando, and Alex, would be in a boy band, he said, Guitar, I would say George. He strikes me as a guy who wants to be shirtless on stage, <laughs> like an Enrique Iglesias wannabe, <laughs> attempting to serenade the fans but failing. Lead singer, I've seen Charles sing in some videos. That's not to say he's good, but I've seen him sing. The female and male fans love Charles. He's clearly going to help the ticket sales. Harry Styles 2.0. Triangle has to be Lando. We'll have to get him a big stick so he doesn't miss the triangle. Oh my god, that's so funny. So funny. I had no idea Alvin was so funny. <laughs> He's it's, hilarious. He's just like kind of sneaky. <sighs> definitely check out this AMA. He also got asked something like if you'd rather fight a hundred horse-sized land or one horse-sized Lando or a hundred duck-sized George. And he made some comment about how Lando is the size of a small pony anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is so just so funny. funny. Very quickly, our two last teams, Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin. Aston Martin has that controversial new rear wing that we talked about. And the Alpine sporting director was asked to talk a little bit about the design. It said that definitely if it's being allowed that there's a bunch of other teams trying to copy it right now. We'll see if there's a lot of rear wings like that that pop up. Alfa Romeo, excited to see what Botas can bring the second half of the season. Alfa Romeo head said he thought that this season was really just a good restart for Botas in F1, which I think we've all talked about all season with him really living his best life. So we're excited to see what he can bring after this nice little reset he had over August break. Okay, ladies, time for our hot takes and predictions. Sarah, why didn't you start? Ooh, okay. Mine is Checo on podium. Yes. I liked his comments about kind of still being in the fight. I think he hopefully had a relaxing break, is going to feel some fire, and he was so good at the beginning of the season and really challenging Max on 
qualifying pace and everything, but the last couple of races really dropped off. So I'm feeling like he's going to come back recharged and ready to attack. My other one, sadly, is that Ferrari chokes in some capacity. I think if it rains and strategy becomes so important with inters, maybe we'll have a flashback to Monaco of them making just absolutely whack tire choices, Carlos needing to go rogue and be his own strategist on the radio. I envision something like that happening if it rains. I'm going to give Ferrari the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say that they really took a look at themselves in the mirror over the summer break, and they're going to come back stronger on the strategy front. Um, Mine, I'm going to come in hot with a Lewis win. I think if it rains, he's going to look great. Like we said, first time ever that he's had a winless season coming into summer break. So I think he's like ready to put the kibosh on that and just start winning again. So I'm coming in with that. Yeah, my hot take is that Mercedes is going to look pretty sick. They're going to beat out Ferrari and Red Bull will dominate on their straight line speed. So I'll take both Red Bulls on podium and Lewis as well. All right. So let's talk about... Let's talk about news this week. So the FIA approved the new F1 power unit regulations for 2026. As we explained more in depth in our power unit deep dive, there is currently an engine freeze from the season until 2026. Then we'll get all new power units and new rules, which like this year can provide a massive shakeup. Maybe we'll see Haas, potentially Williams or someone else P1. You never know. But the one big thing to note here is that 100% of the fuel has to be sustainable. Currently, that's at 10%. There was this hilarious meme, though, about how F1 burns an untold massive amount of energy moving people and cars around the world with logistics so that ultimately in the fuel, the car themselves isn't going to put too much of a dent in sustainability. Slight greenwashing there, but it is still great to set an example for the motorsport industry in general, that the most high-performing cars in the world can and will run on sustainable fuel. So the internal combustion engine will still be a V6, but there are some big changes to the hybrid components. The MGUH is being removed entirely, and the hybrid components overall will be increased in power. The announcements for Volkswagen's Porsche and Audi entering into F1 is imminent, but not yet official. It looks like Audi is going to be first, maybe even as soon as this weekend. Initially, it looked like Audi and McLaren were going to strike a deal, but after that fell through, it looks like there's now an agreement between Audi and Sauber, which is Alfa Romeo. Fun fact, Sauber had rejected a deal from Andretti to buy the team after the 2021 season, so interesting stuff. The Andretti just can't catch a break. <laughs> he oh cannot. <laughs> Poor guy. The Red Bull Porsche deal is taking a little bit longer, and Helmut Marco of Red Bull blamed the FIA's delay in finalizing the 2026 engine rolls. So expect that incoming soon. And some hardcore internet sleuths discovered that Porsche filed a trademark request for finally spelled F1 finally in Germany Nally. <laughs> F1 Nally <laughs> uh, in Germany so more to come once the announcements are official but keep an eye out for those and then last quick th- things Dominicali said no more racing in Russia for the long term so put his foot down pretty hard there wow good for him For our special section, we wanted to do an August vibe check because obviously we're so excited to be back, but summer break did not disappoint with action across the grid in terms of what the drivers were up to. We have been so into this content of just drivers in the wild, so we want to do a quick check-in with what all the drivers did with their 
time off. Lewis said he spent his summer tracing his roots through Africa. He went to Namibia, Rwanda, Kenya, and Tanzania. There were tons of pictures of him on safari and venturing out into the desert, which was so cool to see. As per usual, Lewis did something way cooler than everyone else, so that was great to see. Meanwhile, literally everyone else and their mother was in Mallorca. <laughs> Carlos and his girlfriend Isa were there. The closest he came to making her Instagram grid was a distant photo of him snorkeling without him even tagged, which continues to be iconic. She just does not post him at all. Meanwhile, George and his girlfriend Carmen were in matching bathing suits in Mallorca, being very coupley in their Instagram content. Alex Albin commented Captain Shameless on one of <laughs> George's shirtless posts. Very funny. And then Mick and his girlfriend, Justine, they're generally very private. She doesn't have social media, at least not publicly, and stays super under the radar in the paddock, but they were also photographed on a yacht in Mallorca. Most of the rest of the squad was also on yachts elsewhere in the Mediterranean. So Charles and his girlfriend Charlotte and their friends were traveling around Sardinia off the coast of Italy. They also went to Ibiza because obviously you have to go to Ibiza. Fun fact, Charles has a personal content creator <laughs> that was with him his entire trip, which we can see why. The content was great. <laughs> Lando, his girlfriend Luisa, his sister, and some other friends were on a yacht in Formentera and, spoiler alert, also Ibiza. <laughs> and then he went to Portugal to visit his girlfriend and her family. Pierre, of course, was living his best single boy life in Mykonos. Obviously, he also went to Ibiza on a yacht and also went to Formentera on a yacht. He was posting incredibly over-filtered photos. I think my favorite of this whole yacht boating extravaganza was Alonso in Mykonos with his girlfriend, um, he did like all of these weird promo posts for this yacht company that he was on. And it was just funny. Like, <laughs> this is how like a, an older guy who's not like, <laughs> doesn't have a content would, creator. <laughs> yeah. Like this is how he would do sponsored content. It was so funny. Um, but his girlfriend, Andrea is a motorsport reporter. So Alonso also went to support her at some MotoGP work stuff, which was cute. Ooh, a couple others. So Alex and his girlfriend, Lily, were on Lake Como. Esteban Ocon and his girlfriend, Elena, were also in Sardinia. Esteban made his first social media appearance after the Piastri disaster with a picture in a hammock with the caption, been off my phone. Anything going on? <laughs> Question mark. Um, Yuki was on a yacht in an unidentified location. Latifi and his girlfriend, Sandra, were on Crete and they did a romantic hot air balloon ride. And Max, his girlfriend Kelly, and Kelly's young daughter seem to be on land in the south of France, not on a yacht, which is interesting. And then, of course, we had some American fun as well. Um, I just want to call out Danny was in Montana his rumored, with his rumored girlfriend, Heidi Berger. They were making all of my Yellowstone fantasies come alive. <laughs> they were also in L.A. I think this is the closest they've ever come to making their relationship public. She posted a reel of just the two of them camping and doing nature-y things. So cute. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> the internet loved that. Yes, I personally loved it. Botas and his girlfriend Tiffany hung out in Wyoming, um, recently rivaling Danny for their love of the American West. And then they went to Helsinki and went biking because what else would they be doing? But I like Botas returning to his roots there for the summer break. And in terms of some wild cards and more under the radar drivers, KMAG did some high speed sailing on an F 50 in Copenhagen with the Denmark Sail GP team, which looked very cool. Checo and his wife, Carola, were very under the radar. They didn't post at all, but they were spotted at an event in Canada, which is pretty random. 
Corolla deleted all of her Instagram posts. So maybe a rebrand or some new project is incoming. I feel like that's usually what happens when someone <laughs> wipes their Instagram clean. Then Stroll, Joe, and Vettel were all men of mystery. Besides, of course, Joe dropping some fire fashion editorials wearing lots of Prada. But besides that, we don't really know what they were up to. With that, we are so excited for this weekend. Can't wait to be talking to you all again and definitely chat on Discord all of your thoughts over the course of the race weekend. And we'll be back early next week for a recap. She also mentioned our own little adventures coming up. Tiggy's off to Norway this weekend. I'm going to be in Ireland. And then the three of us are all meeting up with some of our other friends to go to Dublin, Copenhagen, and then a trip through the south of France. So we will still be, we are packing our podcasting mics. We will still be doing our episodes, but just an FYI that we will be bouncing around a little bit. We are so excited for this weekend and hope you all have a great one.